I've learned over my years that if you have one bad performance, the best thing you can do is get ready for the next game. I remember losing to the Eagles and just being pissed off all week. Mike Tomlin in his 10 years has never seen his team lose by 30 until today. You know, Coach T does a great job of, you know, moving on to the next game. This is the opportunity to get this bad taste out of your mouth. Yeah, the taste was really bad. This was week three of the 2016 NFL season, and the Pittsburgh Steelers got absolutely blown out by the Philadelphia Eagles. They were trounced 34-3. to This was an abysmal showing by the Steelers on both sides of the ball. That was a humiliating offensive performance. But the thing that might be a real issue for Pittsburgh, they didn't stop the run. You circle, you know, the Chiefs game next, and, you know, you don't win that game. You're, you're setting yourself up for... For a long season, this is the opportunity. Everybody's going to be watching. Yeah, this was the opportunity to salvage the start of the season. And Steelers defensive tackle Cam Hayward and the rest of the team, I mean, they had a lot to prove as they were looking ahead to this next game. It was primetime. Sunday night football, they were playing the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs you know, had an explosive offense with Alex Smith. This was not going to be easy. Not only were these Steelers coming off one of the worst losses in franchise history, but you had Chiefs quarterback Alex Smith and rookie wide receiver Tyreek Hill. They were hot as hell going into week four. Second and seven, he's got Hill, and he's going to go in for the touchdown. Fourth touchdown of the day for Smith. I take every loss personally, and I take responsibility for it. It's about holding myself accountable and understanding that the job wasn't done, but we got another opportunity to do it. This is In the Moment from Religion of Sports and PRX. I'm David Green. Each week, we go inside the mind of an athlete to relive a pivotal moment in their career. And this week, it is Pittsburgh Steelers defensive tackle Cam Hayward and his attempt to rally the Steelers back from one of the most humiliating losses in Steelers history. It was one of those games that you got to have your best performance. And as myself, I just wanted to make sure I led the way. Now, if you've listened to the show before, you might know that I am a lifelong diehard Pittsburgh Steelers fan. And I remember that awful loss to the Eagles so vividly. I mean, I was texting back and forth with friends basically saying that life had ended. We were devastated. To lose that badly in the third game of the season, it felt like the entire season was lost. And then we're going into this primetime matchup against the Chiefs. I don't remember a time when morale among Steelers fans was that low. They rolled out to my right. I shucked the offensive lineman. Against the grain, he's going to go down. Alex just fell into my lap on that one. Cameron Hayward to the outside to get the sack and it's only the second sack of the season for the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's always good when you get a sack in the first quarter because you start feeling like, oh, now I can get two. That, or if you get two, you can get three. From the first couple of plays on, they've been physical. You're still thinking about the last game, but once you can just you know, have some success, it, it starts to just turn the trickling effect the other way where one, one good play. Through the middle. Another good play. Screen pass tried to lob it over the head of Cameron Hayward, who has been all over the place so far here tonight. Tips it in the air and... And then, you know, you're clicking on all cylinders. This is a defense that is 
looking a little different than what they did a week ago. Very active, they're stunning, they're moving up front and causing problems for Alex Smith. I felt like I was just getting back there with pressure every time. Alex Smith sacked back to the 25-yard line. It's one of those games where you're like, man, the more the merrier, but uh, I, I remember Stefan being like, man, how the hell did you get another sack? They've been creating turnovers, and they've been making the Kansas City Chiefs pay a price for everything that they've tried to do on offense tonight. I don't think there was a clean play for Alex Smith the entire game. And it's not just me, but I felt as a, as a defense, we kicked a lot of butt in that game. Didn't take long to wipe away some of that aftertaste from last week. We threw a party in the backfield, I felt like. Yeah, the Steelers' defense showed up in that primetime game against the Chiefs. Thank God. And it put to rest all of the bad coverage they'd been getting over the previous week. And it gave me, as a fan, a sense of hope that maybe things weren't going to be horrible for that season. But where do our feelings as a fan come into play for someone like Cam Hayward? Do athletes think about the screaming fans, those of us who spent their lives saving up to go to games, the ones that hang on every play? I mean, if you're an athlete, how do you block out the noise and rise to the occasion under all of that pressure? So I love every Steeler fan. Let me get that right. But I I can't say, David, I've really considered your feelings before the game started. (laughs) Okay. At least Cam Hayward was honest with me. We'll have more when we come back. What is actually going on with the economy nowadays? The price of gas? Inflation? Are we in a recession? I'm Jeff Guo, co-host of NPR's Planet Money. Come along with our super team of econ experts as we delve into the stories that show you how the world really works. That's Planet Money from NPR. I just want to pause for a moment and underscore how powerful it was for me to talk to Cam Hayward. If you're a fan of an NFL team, you know you know what I'm talking about. You have a favorite player, a leader on the team, you watch every week, and then you get a chance to do a Zoom call with them. I mean, I was kind of like pinching myself. If you're not a sports fan, I mean, imagine binge streaming your favorite show every Sunday and you feel this connection to one of the main characters, and then you get to do a Zoom call with them. It's it's pretty awesome stuff. And not only am I a fan of the Steelers, not only am I a fan of Cam Hayward, but I grew up in Pittsburgh also as a University of Pittsburgh football fan. And Pitt is where Cam's dad, Craig Ironhead Hayward, played and really captured the heart of the city. I just wonder about the relationship between like you and me as a fan. Like I come into a Sunday night football game like that and I'm sadly was not at Heinz Field that night, but I'm watching on TV. My friends and I are texting each other nonstop. We're like the season's on the line. For me, it feels like you're carrying the weight of like my anxiety and emotions, all my friends, my Pittsburgh family, the city. And it's like if this defense goes out there on this night and looks shitty again, like You don't even understand how it makes all of us feel as fans. Like, do you even have us in your minds, like the the 70,000 people around waving towels at Heinz Field, all of us watching on TV? Or is it much more like team-focused, individual, like we have to get this job done for us? So I love 
every Steeler fan. Let me get that right. But I could care less what y'all are thinking. <laughs> because, I like the like, honesty. <laughs> like, for me, I'm so much more critical of myself that I can't allow anybody else to be critical of me. Because I put all the pressure on myself, and I've always been like that. My mom's always told me, like, don't be a hero. Don't be, you know, Superman uh, and think you you have to carry the weight on your shoulders. But, like, like that's just how I've been built. Like, I embrace that and I put that on me and then I let that surround me. I don't let outside noise really dictate what I do, but my inner self is just like, damn, you you were terrible last game. You need to play better. You know, I like to think I'm my, I'm my worst enemy, but that makes me a better player because of it. And I don't really start thinking about the fans until like we run through that tunnel and I'm like, okay, I'm here. I've done the work here. I'm, we're about to put on a show today. And, you know, when we start having big plays, I'm like, okay, we're holding up our end of the deal for these fans. I, I can't say, David, I've really considered your feelings before the game started. <laughs> but once it started, you're seeing the towels waving and thinking about the. Yes. Yes. I love when the towels are up and running rampant. And, you know, it creates a, an atmosphere that's very tough for every, you know, opponent to go into. Um, I don't think there's anybody who really thrives in uh, Heinz Field as an opponent. Did the towel waving and the opening of the game, Sunday night football, big stage, like, did that give you any sort of extra feeling of like faith, confidence coming off a, a bad loss as you know, you came through the tunnel that night and, and saw that scene? I love Sunday night games. And I, I think as a kid, you play on Friday nights um, and, you know, it's everybody at your high school watching. And then you move on to college and Saturday night games, you're like, OK, everybody's watching again. And then Sunday night, it's like all those people who are watching those games tune into your game. And um, it's your friends. Um, it's your family. And now we live in the social media world Everyone. where it's everybody. Totally. Yeah. Everyone. And so I've always like loved those moments. I know like my teammates are like, dude, it's so long waiting around. But like for me, I'm like, man, I love the bright lights. I love when, you know, you get those cameras flying around on the on the high wires and you know like you're getting those introductions that are pretty special. And I've just always appreciated that. And when we get those moments, I'm like, oh hell yeah, I'm about to have a I'm gonna have a monster game just because this is like the the land where everybody wants to be. Every time you play on those Sunday night games, there's always something special. I can recall, uh, I don't know if it was Sunday night or Monday night. I remember the uh, Indianapolis Colts playing Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I remember Tampa was blowing them out. And I remember turning the game off. And then I got like a bunch of text messages and they were like, turn the game back on. And Peyton Manning came back and literally brought them back to life and they won that game. And those were one of those moments where like, I'm glad I stayed up and watched the rest of that game. And I want to be a part of those moments. I want to be part of those, you know, those uh, moments that kids remember that say, oh, the Steelers defense came to play that day. On a night like that against the Chiefs, just talk about what the pressure is on not just a defense, but a Pittsburgh Steelers defense coming off a you know, a game where you guys mm -hmm. got trounced. 
I like to think we have some of the richest tradition in history, uh, NFL history. There's been the Jack Lamberts, the Joe Greens, the Troy Palmolas, James Harrisons. When you start naming off names, you understand that when you put on the, the black and gold, it means something. And I take it very personal. Do I always answer the call and always great at it? No. But it's a, it's a sense of pride when you put it on. And when you're out there on that defense, you know you are the focal point of this team. Pittsburgh's not built on great offenses. And, you know, we've had great offensive players, but when we've won championships, it's been because of these defenses. You know, I've always appreciated that, but I've also embraced that when you do do that, you're expected to be a a top defense and you're expected to bounce back from bad losses. So I hold that to us. And I I tell my guys that, man – we got to get it going. It's not easy and it's hard and um, it sometimes looks like it might be bleak, but we appreciate those moments. And, you know, these guys have laid the groundwork for us to stand on that we got to we got to continue to get better. When we see all these fans behind me, you're, you're looking at them, you're like, I can't let them down now. We've gotten to this point and I can't let the team, the teammates I've had before me and the players that have come before me down either. Cam, you you have said that um, in every game, you try to find a moment to think about your dad. Mm -hmm. Um, I I wonder if if you might remember what the moment was that night or, or, and if you can't remember the exact moment, like what, what might the moment have been in in a game like that where, where you were coming off, you know, a bad loss and, and had to get back out there? Oh man, I don't know what the moment could have been, but I like to find a moment, um, whether it's me just, you know, collecting my thoughts um, before the game um, and just having, just being still and quiet uh, and just embracing what's going on. You know, every time I walk on the field, um, I know my dad didn't play on this field, but he played in this city. And I like to think like I'm the, you know, the sun returning and, you know, watching um, my dad and hearing about my dad and hearing his stories, you know, I couldn't have p- picked a better way to end up here. It's been a journey where never knew I was going to end up a Pittsburgh Steeler. Um, I have friends and family here. And when I got back here, finally, I was just like, I got to embrace this. I would hear some of the craziest stories about my dad that might not consist of just football, but it let me know there was like a legacy there. And it's something I got to know he was still a part of. And now I look back and I'm just like, man, it, it's something I could never, I would, something I would always want to pass on to my son and my daughters because he made the room better that someone walked into. And when I get on the football field, I like to think I'm trying to make my team better. And I'm trying to step on that field and I'm trying to embrace uh, what my dad has given to me. You know, I, I moved to Pittsburgh in 1980, which was, you know, hearing the stories about those tough defenses in in the 70s and the Steel Curtain and, and the Super Bowls and, you know, the 80s were not the brightest days for the Steelers. Uh, but watching your dad, it was like that, that just tough-nosed, like, I don't give a shit who hits me. I'm looking <laughs> out to be hit, like, because I want to smack someone in the face and keep running. Like, I felt like I was feeling some of that, that Steelers 70s legacy, like, you know, on, on the field with Pitt and your yeah. dad. Yeah, I think I think my dad 
never really got hit. He hit more people at the running back position. Um, yeah, he looked for people to come at him and yeah. try to hit him, and then he would hit him back. Yeah, and you know, I've heard stories about that, and I've seen clips, and uh, I pray for the people that had to go up against him. Um, <laughs> but I, I want to instill that fear on my side now. You know, it's more it's more required on my side as a defense. Uh, but you know, I love that brand of football. It, it's a uh, it's a brand of football that we don't get too often now. <laughs> what What do you remember about your dad? What was he like? You know, things I remember him being my best friend, uh, him wanting to take me out and show me football, show me just life, and take me out uh, to movies all the time. I remember after almost every uh, uh, NFL game, he would put me on his shoulders and take me into the locker room. And I would just, you know, I remember years ago, I would wrestle with like Jamal Anderson in the locker room. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's it's stories like that. And then like now, I like my D-line coach played with my dad and, you know, I get to hear more stories. Um, my dad was the life of the party, but he cared about his people and he cared about his family. You never had to question uh, his love for, you know, his family and the game he loved. I know um, when football got taken away from him, it was very hard, um, but he had his family to rely on him and he wanted to be big in our lives. Remind us how football got taken from him. So in 1999, um, he was dealing with blurred vision. He was with the Indianapolis Colts. Um, he got a, a scan. Um, they found a tumor. And with that tumor, uh, they removed, they left him partially blind in his right eye. Uh, so he had to quit playing football from that. And then he went into remission from the tumor being removed, got to spend, what was it? He passed away in, oh man, um, 2006. So we got to spend seven more years after that. Um, in that time, I don't think my dad ever missed a football, basketball game for any of my brothers and then what he passed away uh i was away at a basketball game and he passed away from uh, pneumonia and my mom had to tell me and it broke my heart that she had to do it uh but before the uh pneumonia the tumor came back and one thing i remember my dad did after the tumor came back it left him paralyzed on his right side and I remember him pledging that he was going to be able to walk for my senior night. Um, and I got to watch him every day work towards that. Uh, he didn't end up making it, but I got to see my dad work his hardest. And that meant the most to me. He said he was going to be able to, to walk well enough to, to walk in, on your senior night graduating from, from high school. And he was working towards that. Mm -hmm. And um, it didn't come to fruition, but... I got to see my dad take his steps and, you know, he was at that point he was going to, but suffered from pneumonia and uh, he was taken too early from us. Take me to that conversation with, with your mom, like where you were and you found out that, that, that he had passed away from pneumonia. So I was at a basketball tournament and, you know, I hadn't seen my mom the entire trip, even though she came with me. Literally I was on at the games and they were keeping me busy the little did I know, my mom was trying to muster up how to tell me. And I walked into the room and I could see she was in tears. And, you know, she um, had to break the news that he was gone. And it was tough for us. 
Um, I remember that night just watching ESPN the entire time and watching my dad's uh, name come across a ticker. And I think Stuart Scott even said it. And I just remember just like re-watching that, not even watching the highlights and just tuning in to just see a picture of my dad. And, you know, and it, it was tough um, being able to, you know, not be there and not even have like, like have like my last words. And it, uh, it, it haunted us for a little bit, you know, uh, it was, it was tough on my family, but I like to think that, um, we all, you know, banded together. Um, you know, my mom, my brothers, you know, I like to thank my mom, like this was going into my senior year of high school. Mm -hmm. And so I was prepared. I hadn't committed yet and I was still still taking visits. I was a little bit depressed because, you know, I didn't have the person I was going to rely on the most to help me make the biggest decision of my life. It weighed on me. And so uh, looking back, um, my mom, she stepped up. She made sure that I never missed a beat. Like she was going in the meetings asking coaches, do you play a 3-4 or a 4-3? Um, how many guys do you have on the roster at his position? Uh, what are you concerned off um, if he gets hurt? All these different things that, you know, two parents usually do. She was doing it as one. And I've always appreciated my mom for doing that. Uh, she went above and beyond, and she just made sure we were never going to miss a beat, even though my dad was gone. Cam didn't have his father Craig there when he was deciding where to play college football or at another pivotal moment when he got the call that he'd be heading back to the city where his father played. More when we return. So I was going back and watching uh, the the recording of, of you getting the phone call um, on draft night when you were drafted by the Steelers. <laughs> the Pittsburgh Steelers select Cameron Hayward, defensive end, Ohio State. I couldn't help but crying. I mean, it, it's clearly yeah. you can feel the emotions. Just you know, you just feel the emotions that that you must yeah. have been feeling. I mean, what what was that like to know that you were you were coming into this organization? Oh man. Okay, so I have to get some context to this. So like. Um, I tore my elbow in the Sugar Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is not great for an NFL combine to have a an Not injury. great at all. Tore completely off the bone. And that's a to- – I had to get Tommy John. I'm not a pitcher, but I had to get Tommy John. That's so weird. It must be weird to be the NFL player who goes around saying, like, yeah, I had Tommy John yeah. surgery. It's like, are, <laughs> were, were you pitching? Were you <laughs> – you play baseball? I know. And, like, I played the entire game with it. And didn't think anything of it. I just thought, okay, I might have tweaked it or something. God, that's crazy. Um, and so I went all the way out to Arizona to go train. And in the first week, I'm like trying to bench. And I'm like, this does not feel right. This is my first time lifting in like two weeks after the Sugar Bowl. And I'm like, uh, they were like, let's get that scan just to make sure. I knew something was wrong when I was in the MRI. And I couldn't stay still because I was just in so much pain. Oh, man. Uh I'm already big enough going into MRI, so it's not a it's not an easy scene. Uh, I went to the combine, but didn't get to participate in any of the drills. Literally, I went to the Senior Bowl. I was bleeding through my uh, shirt, just Jeez. talking to <laughs> talking to the coaches and everything. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna be ready, even though I'm bleeding through my shirt right now. Uh, but 
you know, I got to do all the interviews at the Combine and thought I had some pretty good interviews. Um, circled the date of the pro day, and I got to do a lot there. Um, and then led to draft, where I'm thinking I had always pictured myself being a first-rounder, and we had always said I was going to be a first-rounder. But with the injury, you don't know what anybody's thinking. And so the night's going by. I'm not thinking anything. I didn't think Pittsburgh was even an option because they were 31st. I thought it might be off the table. And I'm just watching guys get picked left and right. And I'm getting antsy. I see the Jets are up. And they say the pick is in. And then I see my phone ring. And I'm like, oh, I might be going to the Jets. Oh, wow. And And then my agent is like, that's a 412 number. And I was like, oh, I know what a 412 number is. And then, like, my grandparents, my mom... They're all from Pittsburgh, so we we bleed black and gold. Like, we've talked about the Steelers before I was even there. Um, like, it's kind of weird because my brother had a fat head of Troy Polamalu in his room. So it was, oh was kind of strange. This means but, the world then. Yeah. And, you know, I answer the phone and I couldn't hear anything. Um, at Bad first. connection, or just because people in the room were being so loud? People in the room were so loud. I had to turn around and be like, guys, you got to be a little bit more quiet. This I is kind of important. Yes. Um, and so, you know, I got to talk to, you know, Mike T was like, hey, we're thinking about drafting. How do you feel about that? And I was like. Wait, Tomlin just said it that, like, matter of yeah, fact? Yeah, so nonchalant. <laughs> and now knowing not, uh, Mike T, I'm like, no no wonder he did that. But, you know, it meant the world to me. got to talk to Mr. Rooney and uh, Ambassador Rooney and um, – it was funny, though. I actually hung up right after I talked to Mr. Rooney and didn't realize I had to talk to everybody else. So, <laughs> so like once I, I'm done with the Rooney family, no one else compares. So, like, I'm done. Yeah. So, I, I ended up calling everybody back after I saw my name go across the ticker. And it was pretty emotional. Uh, my wife, um, to know we were both in Columbus. I met her my, my freshman year. And to know we just had to go straight to Pittsburgh. It's an hour and a half away from Cleveland, where she's from. Um, we couldn't ask for a better spot. You know, we don't know where we're going to end up. And to know that I got to end up where I was born, man, I couldn't ask for a better place to be. Are you a Steeler because of your injury in the Sugar Bowl? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I mean, God's- I, my gut is that if you had not been injured, you might have gone ahead of the 31st pick. I don't know. I'm yeah. just asking. I don't know. Um you know, I don't live in I don't live in ifs and buts, but it's just it's crazy. Like I like to think that God and my dad had a hand in it, and they had a bigger picture in mind. And you know, my mom always told me patience is a virtue, and that's always I've like heard it so many times that's just like like stuck with me. Um, I don't have any tattoos, but if I did, there'd be something with patience. Uh, and it's it's been something in my life where it's not always what I wanted, but it's what I needed at the time. And there's always been a story. Um, there's always been a journey for me that's been planned out that I have no control over. And I've had to embrace the ride and embrace that uh, I don't have every answer. Speaking of family, you're your little brother. Um, what about him? Just got drafted by, by the Steelers. <laughs> what about him? I don't know. I hope he's going to be a, a Pro Bowl tight end for the team I love. Um, but he just got drafted by nice. the Steelers, right? 
Yeah, it'd be nice. He he's got a lot to do. Really? Um, Are you giving him shit right yeah. now? It feels like you're. What am I not giving him crap? Like he is, he is my little brother. Mm-hmm. And did you um, want him on the same team, or would you rather? Of him, course, like... I wanted him on the same team. Okay, so he could carry my bags. Okay. Oh, great. Uh, but <laughs> no, you know, I, I I've got to watch him grow up in his own way at Michigan State, and it wasn't always the easiest, and it's not going to be easy now, but. He's a guy, I think, that can help out the team, and I get to look at him as a teammate. Obviously, he's my brother first, but there's there's a difference between brother and teammate, and I'm going to make sure I give him every opportunity as a brother, but I'm going to hold you accountable as a teammate. I'm going to push you. I'm going to make sure, because my other brothers wouldn't have you any other way. You know, They would make sure that you're hard on him. You make sure that he understands not only the Steeler way, but the Hayward way. There's two Haywards that have been here before. So now you got a third one coming into the picture. So um, big shoes to fill, but fill them your way. Do things that you can do succeed um, and also contribute to the community. You think it's hard for him to follow like your dad and then and then you and, and be playing with, you know, with these expectations for a franchise like this while your big brother is like well, a badass you know, on the team already? I'm not trying to make it easy for him. <laughs> you know, as the brother of me, I, I, if he wants to succeed and you want to do it the right way, it's not going to be easy. Um, but you'll be better because of it. You know, I, I think some of the greatest players I've ever watched, for them, it hasn't been easy. You know, they've been in the limelight. They've um, had the pressure on them. They've exceeded those expectations around them. And I believe in my brother. I think he's more than capable of doing it. He just has to realize his potential in doing it and understand that it's a different way than just being on any NFL team. But through that, he's going to be a great player. I have no questions that he's not going to be a great player. I think he, you know, he's very dedicated. He provides a skill set that can really help out the team. And he's got a big brother who's going to look out for him to make sure I steal him the right way. You say it's different than any other NFL team. It's not just another NFL team. What do you mean by that? It's the Steelers. <laughs> um, it's easy to say, like, you know, you get drafted to a team that doesn't have a lot of history, that doesn't have Super Bowls. Um, every year we compete for Super Bowls. Every year um, there's a level of competition that comes through camp. And, you know, rookies are asked to produce. With that, you grow every year. And it's about taking that first step as a rookie, then the second step, um, and then the third step. Through that, you become more confident. People are more confident in you, um, and your role expands. But I'm just excited to see him work. Like, this is the first time we've ever been on the same field together, and it hasn't been me just bringing my little brother there to work. <laughs> um, so huh, never thought of that. Wow, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's really cool. You know, we've had plenty of times where we've been on the basketball court and talked plenty of crap to each other and gotten after each other. But this is a different brand. This is both of our livelihoods. Now I'm pushing you so you can be good for me on Sundays. I want to ask you about TJ because um, have you and and TJ Watt talked about what it's like to have a a brother on the same team? Because, I mean, he's obviously gone through that experience with his, his brother Derek. Yeah, TJ's told me a little bit, whether it's, you know, and he didn't share too much. He just said it was going to, it's going to be different. Um, You know, you learn to appreciate a lot more 
um, because there are certain things that happen that only brothers would understand. I don't know what that is, but we'll see what happens during this first year. I feel like I should just have like a GoPro on my head uh, videotaping everything, but uh, it should be fun to see. Now, as many football fans know, certainly Steelers fans know, our star outside linebacker TJ Watts suffered a pectoral injury in week one, and he hasn't been back. As of now, the Steelers are hoping he'll return this week when they host Tom Brady and the Bucks. But anything can happen with an injury, of course. We were interviewing Cam Hayward before Watts' injury. When we talked, he was emphasizing how important Watt is to this team. There was one game in this last season where you beat the Ravens um, Mm -hmm. and you guys set like a 50-year-old franchise record for the most sacks by a a duo in one season (laughs) and, you know, had mixed feelings about your defense in the 2021-2022 season and, you know, it was was tough and all the injuries, but um, what is that relationship like and, and what is, you know, a statistic like that mean for you guys? Man, we are competitive. I'll tell you that. Um, we push each other. Um, you know, whether it's on the field or in the you know the classroom, we are constantly trying to get better. Every off season, I feel like we we measure each other and just say like, "What have you been doing in the off season?" It's one of those where we could be on the rower machine together, and it's like, "How long did you go?" Well, I'm going to go longer. We we constantly are just trying to get better for this team. It was really cool to see him. He played right next to me on the right side his first couple of years, and then they moved him to the left side, and he's really thrived over there. Um, but we have we just really embraced just making sure we're part of the reason why we do well. We think we have a defense that can contend with anybody, um, but that falls on our shoulders. He's been a leader, and I'm a leader. We know if we're ever going to win a Super Bowl, we got to be playing our best brand of football. You know, I love the way TJ plays. He prepares his tail off. Um, he comes to work with the right mindset on getting better. And, you know, there's never a doubt in my mind that we're not going to be successful because we have guys like TJ Watt, Minka, Fitzpatrick, Najee Harris, guys that are just, you know, hard workers, grinders that they don't know anything else but winning. The 2021-2022 season was was I mean you, you guys went to the playoffs obviously barely which which was great for for your fan base um but I mean I think the thing that that hurt me the most was was watching you guys just get run all over by offenses um how hard was that for you actually being part of that defense I know when you're a good defense they can't run the ball on you if you can make a team one dimensional it does wonders for a team um when we don't do that it it creates a plethora of of other things that can go wrong, um, and I think it could have been one or two things where a guy was short, and then you know, you know, the gates open and the horses run through, and we did not do a good job of it. Uh, I don't like blaming things on injuries because injuries are a part of the game. She had a lot. Um, that, that's part of the game, and it provides others opportunities to step up. But as a defense, we have to be better. And hopefully we've learned from those mistakes. Um, I wish we would have learned quicker. Um, but all you can do is, you know, that's in stone right now. Grow from it and not make sure that's the last time that our, our defense ever looks like that. 
It feels like this season could be sort of a bigger version of that Chiefs game. Like this is this is the moment of redemption in the <laughs> in kind of the the storied history of this franchise. This is a moment of redemption for for a defense where you know, there just there are a lot of questions, but there's a sense of that the talent is there and the tradition is there and you know, guys like you were there. Yeah, I would love for a Steelers renaissance. Um, you know, I I think we have a great group of guys. And I wouldn't just lend it to our defense. I think we have a team uh, that's in place that we can we can do a lot of great things, but everybody has to be bought in and everybody has to grow together. Um, I know we have a great group of guys that can really thrive. And how much pressure are you feeling, like you, TJ Minka, to, to stop the run and make a statement again? I don't know if there's pressure outside, but I put a lot of pressure on what we have to do. Um, you know, there's nightmares about what we did last year. Good and bad, um, but we have to be the reason why we succeed in 2022-2023. Um, I want to finish by by just saying, like we're focusing on this moment, um, you know, from 2016 that that Chiefs game that night, that night of redemption. But you know, if, if we talk to you a year from now, two years from now, you know, on the field or off the field, what what kind of moments or moment do you hope to create that that will you know define your kind of career in, in different ways that might be, you know, worth talking about in, you know, in the future? Oh, man. There are moments that I really want. Um, I want to be able to have a Super Bowl. I want to be able to plant a big kiss on it. And, you know, I want to be able to say I was part of a Super Bowl winning team um, and be the reason why. Um, sure, there's moments where, you know, you get a third down, you know, you're responsible for the sack or somehow you end up with an interception. But I want something more grand. I want something where, you know, I bring a, another trophy back here and we have seven of those, you know, defensive player of the year, being able to raise that up as well. You know, I know TJ's ahead of me right now and I know we got this competition going right now for most sacks. Um, but, you know, I want to be a, the all-time leader in sacks. Um, and that's not just me being boastful or anything. I just think those are goals I have in mind. Those are things I look forward to. And I want to be able to say we have the best damn defense out there. And, you know, we have the number one defense. And creating that havoc and uh, going into the playoffs, understanding it's going to be, you know, grueling and tough and there's going to be a lot of grit. But when you play the Pittsburgh Steelers, we have all home games and you got to run through Pittsburgh and we're running the gauntlet. To have a run like that would really stick out to me. Cam, it is an absolute pleasure talking to you and uh, really an honor. And uh, thanks a lot. Thank you for having me, Dave. That was Steelers defensive tackle Cam Hayward. And to find out about our upcoming interviews, follow Religion of Sports on Instagram and Twitter. And you can follow me. I am Fearless Green. That is Fearless underscore Green with an E on the end. If you like the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. In the Moment is produced by Sarah McCrory. Sound design and mixing by Jocelyn Gonzalez and PRX Productions. Britt Kahn is our talent booker. Our production manager is Estella Rivas Bryant. Story research was done by Joe Levin and Ryan Henrahan. Kevin Sullivan edited this episode and is the head of talk. Gotham Chopra, Amit Sankaran, and Adam Schlossman are our executive producers. Fearless Media is our consultant producer. And special thanks to Teresa Tran. In the Moment is a production of Religion of Sports and PRX. I'm David Green, and we will be back next week with another athlete 
at their moment.